Luke chapter 11, chapter 10, let's go back there. I'd like to share God's word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, this month, as you're aware, we sort of are picking up on a number of ministry fronts, but we've got some uh, leadership deployments to do. So within this, this, this uh, next week or two, we want to sort of wrap that up and, and, and do the commissionings and the like so ministries can run. So we're hoping to finalize those. It's been a long, long process. Still lots to be done, but we trust that this will finish quickly so we can uh, do the deployments. So Luke chapter 10. Praise God. Today, I would like us to focus on um, verses 6 to 20. Although we've previously read all the way up to verse number 10 in our passage, but we've effectively only covered verses 1 to 5. Let me draw your attention to verse Number six, read a few portions, jump some, and go to the latter part. If those who live, Luke 10, verse 6, if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Reading from the New Living Translation, actually, uh, for this period of, of this series, that's the... the version chosen. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. Eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is said before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Now from verse 10 all the way up to verse 15, there are some strong admonitions given. I want to highlight um, the last part of verse 11. Wipe even the dust of your feet, of the dust of your town from our feet um, to show that we have abandoned you to fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. That's something I want us to just keep as a signpost. The kingdom of God is near. Onward, let's read verse 16. So from verses 12 to... Uh, 15, there are some uh, strong admonitions there. We'll make reference to them later. For the sake of uh, further context, we pick up at verse 16. Then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting 
God who sent me. Very serious words there. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. The Lord had blessed in the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to gather again. Thank you for all that we've reflected on today. Because why we are alive. The mission endeavor that is central to our livelihood. And Lord, your great interventions in our lives, in our moments of crisis, do it again for someone here today. Do it again for someone watching and listening to your word. Do it again as we minister. So we seek this message through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. You may kindly be seated. Our theme for the year is community transformation, a call to harvest. We're doing part number four today, which is um, an extension of part number three, wrapping up part number three. So this is part number four, wrapping up part number three. And the focus is still do it yourself, DIY, a model for maximizing on key result areas. So we're continuing on that aspect today as we deal with part number four. And by the way, at the moment I mentioned this, greetings from uh, the Kumas. We talked on the phone with uh, Urjit and uh, Achala uh, Kuma on the southern part of, of India. They were very much a part of this family. I'm mentioning this because he was saying something to me about this message, which he had actually been watching uh, remotely uh, after we had ministered it. They're doing an incredible job. Uh, they're very involved in the work. They're leading intercession. And they're praying that they will come back and, and visit. So it was such a joy. Please receive uh, regards from uh, the Kumas. <laughs> Tremendous souls for the kingdom. Amazing, amazing. Praise God. Um, so as we look at this area of doing it yourself, a model for maximizing key result areas, let me first of all help us to quickly remember some of what we covered. In terms of recap, and this will be brief, we were looking at a lesson, a key lesson we learned from the sales industry. One of those key lessons that we learned is the positive impact of what we have referred to as do-it-yourself products. They range from simple items to 
big items which come basically maybe in a box but with instructions of how you can unpack and assemble that piece. And so it's a do-it-yourself product. Bed, chair, it could be um, anything small or big. But what we observed is that what you do yourself usually teaches you lessons that are not easily forgotten. And that even more seriously, if you do something for someone else, the impact is even bigger. And I say it here, it may even last a lifetime. That's part of what we were emphasizing in part number three. In part number three, we also emphasized the Lord's instructions in verses four to five. Number one, we looked at the need to learn total dependence on divine providence. Number two, we looked at the mission at hand uh, as one that takes highest priority. Number three, we looked at the necessity of God's peace. We talked about the shalom and how God uses his peace to break the teeth, so to say, the disorder, the confusion that is in many lives. God uses his shalom to break that confusion and to set order in place. So shalom is not just the absence of war. It is God bringing order through that holistic provision of his visitation. Hallelujah. And so, fourthly, the power of goodwill to others. We elaborated on each of those four items and... Um, in our application, as we concluded that message, we say there are a few things you can do for yourself. We propose, number one, based on this passage in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 5, you can pray for lost souls to be saved because Jesus said, pray. Uh, secondly, you can pray for workers for the harvest because Jesus himself also said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send forth laborers. Thirdly, we said you can reach out with God's peace. And so that is something we're going to revisit today. Whenever you visit a home, he says, say, say. So we said, speak God's peace. Speak his peace wherever you go. And we advised against speaking negative things over your life, over your family, over your children, over your marriage. Quit speaking negative things over your nation, quit speaking negative things. We must think about our nation prospering. We must think about our nation going forward. We must think good and well about our future. And God will bring that to pass in Jesus' name. And I did lament the fact that, unfortunately, our politics have positioned us to a way where when we either like or do not like whoever may be either in power or may appear to, to be in control and leadership somewhere, then we, we don't want to see anything go well because we want to see things fail. That is not okay. That is for politicians and it is short-lived because even politicians should be believing that life. If they truly have the interest of the nation at heart, anything going well, they must celebrate. Correct what needs to be corrected, but anything going well must be celebrated at any one time. 
that is the Zambia we want. Somebody shout hallelujah. So we must be making sure that at individual level, you are doing that. You are practicing that. And good will come. So finally, as we did this, we said identify what acts you can do. And we, they will be talking about those acts being sustainable. And so for today, I highlight a few more areas for our focus. So since this is a model for maximizing on key result areas, I'd like to highlight some of those key result areas that I am able to deduce from the mind of the Lord in the fashion the Lord gave this message in Luke chapter 10. So let's go on and examine the verses that we uh, have read together. There are four key result areas I want us to focus on. And they're all in those uh, verses we read. First, there is need to identify entry points to start a conversation or activity. Jesus here, as I will show you shortly, was very focused on results. Say you are getting on a minibus and you sit next to somebody. Take very polite command of the situation. Greet the person. Say who you are. And based on their response, there will most likely be an entry point. We are living in a day and time where you cannot afford to meet somebody and let them walk away without hearing Christ. Now, that was the norm early in our days when we came to Christ. The situation has changed substantially today, partly because of the kind of moral laxity that has befallen on society and also the sense of ease and relaxation that is in the church where we are not constantly tying what we do to the mission. So wherever we are, there must be this understanding that it is harvest time. And no one person should be allowed to come in contact with you and walk away without hearing or experiencing something related to Christ. Something must be done. So when you let people walk away and you didn't say something that becomes an end for tomorrow or for that day into their lives, you have missed an opportunity. Everyone that comes your way is allowed to come your way by God. So there is an opportunity. When you enter, he says, not if, when. And so it's a question of who it is you might meet. You will always meet people. So with every person you meet, there must be an alertness to bring about a sense of message. So look for an entry in a conversation. This is the do-it-yourself. So you don't wait for people in church to hear the message. When they come to church, it is the bishop's turn, it's the preacher's turn to look for an entry point and to call them to a decision. You have your part. And of course, in some cases, it would just mean, even if the entry point might mean, oh, what are you doing this Sunday? 
Would you come with me to church? You've entered that life. You've made entry. Are we together? You've made entry. That must be the sense of urgency with which we live today. Look for an entry point. It's a key result area. Anybody you meet is brought to you by the Lord. So when you allow them to go away and you haven't really locked in or even found out whether they know Christ or not, an opportunity has been missed. Is everybody hearing the message? Why is that so crucial? Because the people you meet, the bishop will not, may not meet. The preacher, Reverend Katanga, Reverend Yurenda, or Pastor Chirwa, or Evangelist Wali, may not necessarily meet those people. It's you in your area who has a chance to meet those persons. So when you meet them, look for an entry point. It's a key result area. When you've locked in on a conversation, even if it's just a mere invitation, that is why we want to encourage as we finish this series in a few weeks' time, I've said already, we've made some literature ready. Some of you have been picking up that literature. We will make it a point that every Sunday we stock you up. We will also make it a point that these are available in the, um, uh, in the live groups so that you are able to pick them up. Have those with you. This is how we have lived our lives. In our day and time when we just came to know Christ, you always had tracts with you. Always needed to share something with somebody. But you see, life has changed so much. And for some of you, this is news. But we want you to know that that is the gospel. That is the kind of life that God is expecting us to have. And if it is then done by everyone here, the result, I must tell you, will be transformation of our society. Because meaning in every area, something is happening for Christ. We increase the volume by increasing the surface area. Surface area meaning wherever you are found, the gospel must go out. I is the church hearing the message of Jesus. And that means every one of us, whenever you enter, start with needs people have. So, an entry point might even mean, how are you? How are you today? If you say, well, not so fine. Oh, what could be wrong? You're finding out what their need is. That may, may be an entry point. Oh, no, we've just had a very hard week. You know, I just, uh, just lost a uh, uh, loved one. Maybe they talk about a loved one. They have lost on with someone else who's in the hospital. Oh, who are they? Can I, can I have their name? I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray. And if it's a moment that even allows you to pray right there, can, can we pray for them now? You have made entry. When they hear that concern, you have made entry. Beloved, the world is before us. And God wants us to change our nation. And we transform nations one person at a time. You do not know whom you are meeting. Who they will become tomorrow. Or who they are going to meet next after meeting with you. And when you do the right thing, you will participate in preparing them for whatever their next assignment is. And God chooses you to do that. Is that making sense to somebody? 
entry points. Everybody say entry points. Identify those entry points for starting an activity or a conversation. So at personal point, a conversation. For those of you who um, are leading, and some soon to lead regions or leading a live group and so on, if there is an activity that is meant to be planned for an area, then look for an entry point. Some of these activities, if something is being done in Tendere, it may not be the same thing that you want to do in Obama. The needs in Obama may be different from Tendere. So find within the area, look for an entry point. Let me use zone one for an example. Zone one found a niche. And they've had this long going, Ngombe for Jesus uh, campaign and also found a school there with some needs. They locked in into that school and there's a relationship and wonderful things are happening there. You see that as they share. They found a niche. There's an entry. So in that community, that zone has a command. People are coming to Christ. And that is what we ought to do. That's the reason why we have life groups. So that in every single area, there is impact. And community transformation then happens in that sense. Find an entry point for that activity. Is that making sense to somebody here today? Lift up one hand and shout praise the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Secondly, secondly, as we observe from um, verse number seven, the last part, onwards to the first part, onwards to the last part of the same verse, he says, don't move around from place to place, from house to house, from home to home. Stay in one place. Now, like we said last time, you even wonder, well, shouldn't they be visiting from house to house? You find the same account, the same instructions given. Here it is given to the 72, but the same instruction was given to the 12 in Luke chapter 9. When Jesus gave that instruction there, here was the context. The context was that in their day and time, there were many options and locations for lodging. And the instruction he's giving is, don't go out there looking, moving from house to, place, to house or place to place looking for lodging. When you find a place where they accept you, he says, stay in that place. My reading of this instruction from the Lord was that you don't do this fly-by-night thing so that you can register 30 activities in three months. Uh -uh. He's talking about results, key results. So stay in one place is about sustained action for maximum impact. What we want, beloved, in the locations where God has placed us is maximum impact. What we want in the company where God has placed you, where you are serving him, is maximum impact. And so consider that when you're thinking about careers. It's not just about changing jobs, three companies, one every year, and you're thinking you're reaching out for Christ. Uh -uh. What result are you achieving for Christ? And by the way, just to help you, remember, with everything we are learning here, now align your career with God's mission. 
You can't just jump from place to place. Remember, first of all, you are a Christian who happens to be an accountant or a banker or a lawyer or whatever. And when you're making those career moves, seek God genuinely and ask him for an opening. Lord, where do you want me next? Where do I deploy? And in that sense, your career will truly align and serve God's kingdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stay in one place. It's sustained action for maximum impact. That is how transformation is achieved. So when we identify people and you have an entry point, they may not immediately be ready to make a decision. I'll discuss that as a last point. But you keep going back. So you left the conversation somewhere. Let's go back at the place where you've now prayed with this person because they talked about a, 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 a bereavement they had been through and a loved one who is now sick in the hospital. And remember I gave a scenario where I said, okay, maybe you offered to say, can we pray now? And then that's it for the day. Thank you very much. You exchange numbers and say, you know, I'll be praying for that person. You call them and find out how, how is the patient doing? Or can we link up again? And so on. You keep at it. And when you do that over time, you will find that you may actually bring that person to Christ. But stay in one place. Was an indication of the fact that the Lord is looking for maximum results. Maximum impact, sustained action. And so, beloved, once we're done with uh, this process of sharing the message here, there will be key activities in a number of the ministry areas. We expect that when you choose those activities for the year in relation to how you will be able to apply the theme, stay on those things. Stay on those actions within the community. That is why when we do works of evangelism, we keep going into communities. We go out Saturday upon Saturday. We used to do that in so many areas. There are very few churches that do that now. And we shouldn't be in that category where we don't do sustained actions, for instance, of reaching out and going out. We shouldn't be. There are actions we do out there. We've been doing missions for a while. But when it comes to evangelism, there must be a visible commitment to sustain evangelism in the area where you are. So I ask a question. When did you last witness? That should be our preoccupation. So I'm expecting us, like we have said, to not worry about what you will say because we will teach you. We'll share with you. The next thing I'll be talking about is the message. But stay in that one place. It's about sustained action. And he goes on to say, eating and drinking what they provide. Uh, don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Uh, of course, that talks about the legitimacy, particularly for those working full-time in the ministry, of uh, them being supported uh, with the means from um, within the um, uh, congregation or the means of the place where they're staying. That, but that's, 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 that's not the focus. He's just trying to let them say, look, when you work there, these can be, uh, this is a way you will be supported. The idea, though, is that to even talk about accepting hospitality and talk about support, Jesus' mind here was on the long haul. 
So we need to be sure that we are very strategic on what we do and we sustain those actions. Keep going out and keep going out. Keep going out. One of these days, I hope we can try it even on a Sunday like this. I could give out literature to everybody and say, can we go out for 20 minutes and come back? Your life will never be the same again. I can assure you. Never the same again. Never the same again. So do it. Stay in that one place. Sustained action. I want to go on to the third thing in here. From verses 9 to 11, the Lord now focuses on message. He says, stay on message. Stay on message. In verse 9, towards the end there, it says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Let's pause. How has the kingdom come near? The kingdom has come near because someone who's carrying the message of the kingdom has come into that house. That's the proximity there. So prior to the arrival of these disciples, it couldn't be said that the kingdom was near. So it means that the going, the staying, is actually meant to deliver something. He says the kingdom has come near you. That's the message. The same is repeated. But you see, it's repeated in verse 11 with a slight variation. He says, if they reject the message, meaning they don't receive the peace, then you say that even the dust of your town we wipe off from our feet. It's as if, um, they say in Bemba or Kufuita, that kind of thing, as if to just say, okay, stay on your own. Now, you would like to think that it remains at fat, fat level, but it doesn't end there. Jesus returns them to the message. Even after doing that, they've rejected the message. He says, end with this. The kingdom of God is near. So there are people who may not immediately take what you have to give. They may in fact reject the message. You don't go out there speaking brimstone and fire. God will judge you. You know, you have, you've, you have not received the word, God will judge you. You know, you will die. No, 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 no. No, you don't do that. Leave that for people in some places out there where they preach doom and gloom. And people talk about praying dangerous prayers and so on. That's, that's not biblical. Yeah, there's some, and they take out of context some of those prayers that were prayed by David and the psalmist and so on. But there's a context that's not normative. Jesus gave us a desire to always wish well for people. So when they, don't reject, when they don't accept the message, he still says, your last message for them must not be, okay, you've rejected, okay, okay, nah, yeah. uh -uh. He says, leave them with a the message. The king is near. Hallelujah. Leave them 
with a message. So I'm saying to you, stay on the message. You see, people have many needs. And people have many stories to tell. It is very easy for you to be sidetracked. There are some people you will talk to who will argue. And they want to win an argument. You must always keep remembering, when people start arguing, you're not there to win an argument. Come back from it and say, okay, all right. You can even postpone certain things and say, okay, the question you've asked, this thing you're talking about, you know, in fact, I need to look at it closely. I would like us to come back to it. But stay on the message. Stay on the message. And if you go on to try and win an argument, no, God exists. No, God doesn't exist. No science says the science says the other. Now you try and argue and argue and argue. You will not win. That's not how we talk to people. Leave them with a sound message. The kingdom. You started with the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom is near. My friend, I'm coming back. I'll be praying for you. But remember, the kingdom is near. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stay on message. Very, very critical thing. People in the media industry will tell you that when you're presenting something, you want to keep on message. So when you're done, people try and remember what was this about. They remember the message. Stay on message. The final thing I'd like to focus on today, which is probably uh, most critical, is key result area number four. Now, in between verses eight and um, 16, you have a number of things happening there. Jesus mentions the people and the kingdoms that um, were wicked. He says in verse 13, what sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented and, uh, from their sins long ago. And he talks about them. He talks about Capernaum, which was the center of his ministry, and that it would be more tolerable for them than, um, uh, than, than, than for the others. Yes, verse 14, he says, Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment day than you. And uh, you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the places of the dead. And it's a very strong message. What is being emphasized there is that people must at least be made aware that when they make a decision, for instance, to reject Christ, there is a consequence. You don't have to make it so bad that they think that you're condemning them right, then, right there and then. However, that truth must be said, hell is real. And that there is only, only two places people can go when they die. It's either heaven or hell. And that when they reject Christ, there is hell. When they receive Christ, there is heaven. Stay on message very plainly. And that is why Jesus gives those indications, showing the fact that the judgment is real, that the day will come when judgment will actually happen. It is real. But he still wants them to stay on message. The issue is that the kingdom of God is Hallelujah. But then, in verse number 17, observe with me. Verse 16, then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. So you need to be able to reach a place where you get somebody to understand that 
There is no neutrality. They can't say, you know what, I, I, I don't believe and uh, um, uh, maybe I believe, maybe I don't believe. They can't be in the middle. They either believe or do not believe. Neutrality here is not possible. They have to make a choice. They have to make a choice. When the 72 returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Saturn fall from heaven. This leads me to uh, this fourth item, which I've already announced. They need to secure a decision. Now, what happens is that when you're working for Christ and you're utilizing his power, like I said a few weeks ago, many of you will be surprised at what God will do. Because remember, in Mark 16, he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. When he says there, heal the sick, that's not just for the apostles, that's not just for the evangelists, that's not just for the, for, for the prophets, the teachers, and the pastors. These signs shall follow them that believe. Remember, these were 72. So this is a group bigger than the 12. And it is the 72 reporting that when they used the name of the Lord, demons obeyed them. So that is to, to remind you and I, beloved, that you have much more power than you only imagine. Sometimes we over-centralize this thing. We make the pulpit the center. And sometimes for insensitive pastors and insensitive people in the pulpit, that becomes good because it makes you feel central. That is not it. God told us to liberalize the kingdom to the extent where we do the preparation. You do the work of the ministry. He called some. He gave some to be apostles, evangelists, teachers, pastors, prophets, and so on. To prepare God's people. The 72 represented that expansion. And the fact that he chose 72 was to make the point that the laborers were few. He wanted more hands, more people doing the work of the Lord. So in God's kingdom, beloved, you have been given power. The people he was talking to here, remember, are not just the 12. And because they got focused on the fact that demons were responding to them, he had to correct them quickly and remind them. Yes, there is a result. And um, when spiritual power is at work, when you're casting out demons, there is excitement. It's powerful. Woo! It's powerful. It's wonderful to see those things at work. But remember, Satan is still an adversary. And the, the word used here, Satan, Satan, in the Greek, describes the devil as an adversary, an opposer of that which is godly. It is the same, similar to the indication uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you pick up verse number 7, something similar is mentioned. There, um, the devil, diabolus, is the other word that's used there. 
but I'm still referring to the same person. Okay, you don't have it there, so let me pick it up quickly uh, from my side. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 7, the Bible says there. Verse number 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Verse number 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, your adversary, the devil. So here, the idea of adversary as well as Jabalus, the deceiver, the two ideas are combined. He prowls around like a roaring, roaring, let's say it together, roaring lion. Okay, I know it's a tongue twister, and I see a few people here who just failed the test. Uh, like a roaring lion. <laughs> Looking for someone to devour. Verse number nine, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you are. So, power is inside you. Yet you must remember. I didn't hear me. I said power is inside you. I said, power is inside you. Because Jesus here said to these disciples, look, verse 19, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And that you can actually walk over, all over the power of the enemy. So that you must not consider to be power that's only present here at the altar, waiting for, for, for this demonstration. When people start falling, say, ah, church was great. And that's fine. When God does things at the altar, you have that power wherever you go. So he says to the 72, heal the sick. So I know it's good to call us and we'll pray over the phone. But remember, when you're confronted with sickness in your home, you have power to lay hands on the sick and the sick must recover. When you're confronted with adversity anywhere else, which was what was being talked about last week, you have power over that adversity. Because in the name of Jesus, you have been given that authority. And the Lord is resident inside you. So in this year, I want to hear testimonies from the congregation of what you did in a week. That you went to the hospital and you laid hands on somebody who was sick. And of course they limit visits these days because of all the COVID issues we've been through and so on. But when you have that opportunity, let's hear those stories. That you laid hands on the sick and the sick are able to recover. You, that power is inside you. I said that power is inside you. That you can command demonic forces and repel them in the name of Jesus. When you're having those sleepless nights, commotion and as a result of bad dreams or you're hearing noises in the house or something is happening. You wake up at 2 a.m. every night and it's like something is happening. You walk around, you're just unsettled. Get up and say in the name of Jesus, whoever you are, because you know witches fly around. 
Tell them, warn them and say, whoever you are, I am nobody to play around with. I have the power of the Lord. Speak the word. The Lord is over your life. Some of you mothers, maybe you, are, you have children that keep having those very terrible moments and you're wondering and it's as if somebody is, uh, is squeezing the, the breath out of that child and it's happening night after night. Take time, lay hands on that child and say in the name of Jesus, whatever this thing is, I am going to break it in the name of the Lord. That authority is in your hands. It's in your hands. Ah, but let's talk about your neighbors. Your neighbors are having that trouble and having to run from Simbazako to someone else. The other day as we were passing near our area, there is um, uh, a lot of these adverts, you know, uh, uh, let's say, uh, doctor something something from Mwansawombwe. Now there are some. <laughs> they, they have all these which doctors announced? This one says from, um, from Malawi. And when you hear from Malawi, yeah, 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 yeah. But when your neighbors are having to run to those kinds of people who don't hold an answer, the neighbors must know that when you show up, you have an answer for them. You must go in there and say, I've noticed that there's been so much difficulty here. Can I pray? Let the neighbors look to you because the authority is in your hands. But then there is a moderator, a modifying thing that the Lord does there because he doesn't want us to get sidetracked. So they were so happy. Demons were obeying them. Then he says, don't rejoice because demons obey you. But rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. Why is that important? That is important because salvation is the ultimate that God's want, that God wants in the lives of people. That's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. Salvation is God's ultimate plan. Give me slide number nine. Salvation is God's ultimate plan. So secure a decision. Even if you start by praying for somebody and demons are cast out, you can't end there. Secure a decision. I want to draw your attention to the next chapter, Luke 11. In Luke 11, if you read at verse 24 and 25, Bible says, and this is the story of um, somebody who was delivered from demoniacs. Verse 24, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So, so it returns 
and finds its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. So when demons are exercised from somebody, don't just leave it there and say, oh yeah, somebody has been delivered from demons and so on. The house is now empty. Secure a decision. Let them invite Christ into their hearts. Now, for some people, it may not be that they were demon-possessed. By the fact that you've preached the gospel and they are ready to receive Christ, it means that something else was reigning there. So the house is still empty. Ensure that you bring them to a place where they can accept Christ. Secure a decision. We want to see conversions this year. That's why I've said to you, don't go after people who are settled in a church somewhere. Say, come to our church. You know, it's very wonderful there. Uh Uh-uh. Let them be there. Let them carry on. They have a mission. We must go for the lost people. Secure a decision. Salvation is what God is looking for, for every single individual in this life. That's God's ultimate. So, uh, Carmen, Carmen, I think is the one who sang the song. Who is in the house? J-E-S-U-S. Who is in the house? So you, you are like a home. Every life is like a home. Those of you who have been born again, Christ is resident in your heart. The people who don't know him, have a house that's empty, but probably empty, meaning Christ is not in there, but probably occupied by many vices, things that rule. But worse, if somebody is demon-possessed. Now, when you go near somebody that may be possessed, they will feel it because you're carrying the Lord Jesus. It's not just here where that power is to be felt. That power must be felt when you arrive, wherever you arrive, because you carry with you the presence of God. Let me take you back to verse 3, 4, and 5, because remember, he says in verse 3, 4, and 5, and 6, that when you come and they receive you, then they receive your peace, the blessing will remain there. But when they reject, it says, the blessing will come back to you. So I was reminding us that remember, you are carrying a package. You're carrying a package. So I remember moments with my colleagues in our early Christian life. You get on a minibus, you sit with somebody, asemuka, and people begin to wonder what's happening. Meaning demons manifest. And so in those days, normally we talk to the driver and say, no, and so on. And in some cases, you did that, of course, they were a little angry with you for a while and so on. But these things happen. The presence of God you carry. Serious. And God wants to work through you. It's not always that it's just demons that must manifest. The fact that you enter must bring peace in that place. And people must be ready to make a decision. 
Beloved, today, I'm concluding this portion of the do-it-yourself. So I must remind you of the four things that comprise of the DIYs, which we began with in number three. Pray for lost souls to be saved. Pray for workers for the harvest. Reach out with God's peace. Reach out with God's kindness. Slide number 10, if you can manage. I think we've gone off air for some reason. Keep those things in mind. They're very simple. But at the same time, keep in mind these key result areas. Wherever you go, find an entry point. In a conversation, you're unpacking the package. Then look for sustained action for maximum impact. What is it you can do next to increase on what you did last time? Sustained impact. We are serious about transforming Zambia. I said we are serious about transforming Zambia. Then in the process, stay on message. There are many decoys that come. Someone may want to argue. Someone may want to take you this way, that way. Stay on message. You are a man and a woman on a mission. And your message is simple. The kingdom is near. Hallelujah. The kingdom is near. It's near you. Why? Because I have come. Because you are there. Because you have come. But the final thing in that package, do not leave the things that you're doing without securing a decision. If you can't get the secure decision on that day, so when, wait, say, when can I come back? When can we meet again? When can we talk again? Life will be exciting for you this year. I said life will be exciting for you. When you live on that path, beloved, every single day you will wake up with a sense of purpose. So you can think of a song, like one songwriter saying many years ago, lead me to some soul today. That becomes your prayer. Or you can sing one day at a time. Or you can sing, wherever he sends me, I will go. Or you can sing and say, Lord, I'm available for you. That becomes a daily arrangement. And God will use you. So today, I want to call us all to that place of unpacking your personal package as you get ready to do it yourself. The Lord is with you. Your name is registered in heaven as God's son, God's daughter, God's child. He has sent you like the 72 on a mission. And you must return with a testimony. May God bless you, beloved. And I wish you once again a prosperous, this is week number six, a prosperous 2022, as you engage in the harvest. That last slide I show you, I say this is the way to do it yourself. And this is how to maximize on key result areas. The Lord bless you.
please rise. I will ask the choir to come. When they were leading us, remember the song they sang brought the message of the fact that Jesus is all we need and how he meets our needs. And that is what the world needs. All they need is Jesus. You are carrying that Jesus. So in this session now, first of all, I'd like to call us. I know many of you here, the majority of you here, have been at a place where the passion and the excitement about winning people to Christ was at some point very, 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 very real. And somewhere it seems like, you know, it's been muddled in a few things. I want you to believe the Lord to do it again in your life. Today. Do it again. I said, Lord, do it again. In fact, as we, is Justin coming? Um, okay, you can do it again. You can do it again. No. The last part says, this is, this is, his word and his desire. He is faithful. He is faithful to the things that he does, what he has commanded into our laps. He will back up with his presence. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you to focus on unpackaging your own package in a readiness to do it yourself and get to that place where you will know you're carrying his kingdom. Luke chapter 11, chapter 10, let's go back there. I'd like to share God's word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, this month, as you're aware, we sort of are picking up on a number of ministry fronts, but we've got some uh, leadership deployments to do. So within this, this, this uh, next week or two, we want to sort of wrap that up and, and, and do the commissionings and the like so ministries can run. So we're hoping to finalize those. It's been a long, long process. Still lots to be done, but we trust that this will finish quickly so we can uh, do the deployments. So Luke chapter 10. Praise God. Hallelujah. Today I would like us to focus on um, verses 6 to 20. Although we've previously read all the way up to verse number 10 in our passage, but we've effectively only covered verses 1 to 5. Let me draw your attention to verse number 6. We'll read a few portions, jump some, and go to the latter part. 
If those who live, Luke 10, verse 6, if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Reading from the New Living Translation, actually, uh, for this period of, of this series, that's the, the version chosen. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place. Eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Now from verse 10 all the way up to verse 15, there are some strong admonitions given. I want to highlight um, the last part of verse 11. Wipe even the dust of your feet, of the dust of your town from our feet um, to show that we have abandoned you to fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. That's something I want us to just keep as a signpost. The kingdom of God is near. Onward, let's read verse 16. So from verses 12 to uh, 15, there are some uh, strong admonitions there. We'll make reference to them later. For the sake of uh, further context, we pick up at verse 16. Then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. Very serious words there. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. The Lord had blessed in the reading of his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to gather again. Thank you for all that we've reflected on today. Because why we are alive. The mission endeavor that is central to our livelihood. And Lord, your great interventions in our lives, in our moments of crisis, do it again for someone here today. Do it again for someone watching and listening to your word. Do it again as we minister. So we seek this message through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. You may kindly be seated. Our theme for the year 
is community transformation a call to harvest? We're doing part number four today, which is um, an extension of part number three, wrapping up part number three. So this is part number four, wrapping up part number three. And the focus is still do-it-yourself, DIY, a model for maximizing on key result areas. So we're continuing on that aspect today as we deal with part number four. And by the way, at the moment I mentioned this, greetings from uh, the Kumas. We talked on the phone with Urjit uh, and uh, Achala uh, Kuma now in the southern part of, of India. They were very much a part of this family. I'm mentioning this because he was saying something to me about this message, which he had actually been watching uh, remotely uh, after we had ministered it. They're doing an incredible job. Uh, they're very involved in the work. They are leading intercession. And they're praying that they will come back and, and visit. So it was such a joy. Please receive uh, regards from uh, the Kumas. <laughs> Tremendous souls for the kingdom. Amazing, amazing. Praise God. Um, so as we look at this area of doing it yourself, a model for maximizing key result areas, let me first of all help us to quickly remember some of what we covered. In terms of recap, and this will be brief, we were looking at a lesson, a key lesson we learned from the sales industry. One of those key lessons that we learn is the positive impact of what we have referred to as do-it-yourself products. They range from simple items to big items, which come basically maybe in a box, but with instructions of how you can unpack and assemble that piece. And so it's a do-it-yourself product, bed, chair, it could be um, anything small or big. But what we observed is that what you do yourself usually teaches you lessons that are not easily forgotten. And that even more seriously, if you do something for someone else, the impact is even bigger. And I say it here, it may even last a lifetime. That's part of what we were emphasizing in part number three. In part number three, we also emphasized the Lord's instructions in verses four to five. Number one, we looked at the need to learn total dependence on divine providence. Number two, we looked at the mission at hand uh, as one that takes highest priority. Number three, we looked at the necessity of God's peace. We talked about the shalom and how God uses his peace to break the teeth, so to say, the disorder, the confusion that is in many lives. God uses his shalom to break that confusion and to set order in place. So shalom is not just the absence of war. It is God bringing 
order through that holistic provision of his visitation. Hallelujah. And so, fourthly, the power of goodwill to others. We elaborated on each of those four items, and um, in our application, as we concluded that message, we said there are a few things you can do for yourself. We proposed, number one, based on this passage in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 5, you can pray for lost souls to be saved, because Jesus said, pray. Uh, secondly, you can pray for workers for the harvest because Jesus himself also said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he may send forth laborers. Thirdly, we said you can reach out with God's peace. And so that is something we're going to revisit today. Whenever you visit a home, he says, say, say. So we said, speak God's peace. Speak his peace wherever you go. And we advised against speaking negative things over your life, over your family, over your children, over your marriage. Quit speaking negative things over your nation. Quit speaking negative things. We must think about our nation prospering. We must think about our nation going forward. We must think good and well about our future, and God will bring that to pass in Jesus' name. I uh, did lament the fact that, unfortunately, our politics have positioned us to a way where when we either like or do not like who, whoever may be either in power or may appear to, to be in control or in leadership somewhere, then we, we don't want to see anything go well because we want to see things fail. That is not okay. That is for politicians, and it is short-lived, because even politicians should be believing that life. If they truly have the interest of the nation at heart, anything going well, they must celebrate. Correct what needs to be corrected, but anything going well must be celebrated at any one time. That is the Zambia we want. Somebody shout hallelujah. So we must be making sure that at individual level, you are doing that. You are practicing that. And good will come. So finally, as we did this, we said identify what acts you can do. And we, today we'll be talking about those acts being sustainable. And so for today, I highlight a few more areas for our focus. So since this is a model for maximizing on key result areas, I'd like to highlight some of those key result areas that I am able to deduce from the mind of the Lord in the fashion the Lord gave this message in Luke chapter 10. So let's go on and examine the verses that we uh, have read together. There are four key result areas I want us to focus on. And they're all in those uh, verses we read. First, there is need to identify entry points to start a conversation or activity. Jesus here, as I will show you shortly, was very focused on results. Say you are getting on a minibus and you sit next to somebody, take very polite command of the situation. Greet the person. Say who you are. 
And based on their response, there will most likely be an entry point. We are living in a day and time where you cannot afford to meet somebody and let them walk away without hearing Christ. Now that was the norm early in our days when we came to Christ. The situation has changed substantially today, partly because of the kind of moral laxity that has befallen on society, and also the sense of ease and relaxation that is in the church, where we are not constantly tying what we do to the mission. So wherever we are, there must be this understanding that it is harvest time. And no one person should be allowed to come in contact with you and walk away without hearing or experiencing something related to Christ. Something must be done. So when you let people walk away and you didn't say something that becomes an end for tomorrow or for that day into their lives, you have missed an opportunity. Everyone that comes your way is allowed to come your way by God. So there is an opportunity. When you enter, he says. Not if, when. And so it's a question of who it is you might meet. You will always meet people. So with every person you meet, there must be an alertness to bring about a sense of message. So look for an entry in a conversation. This is the do it yourself. So you don't wait for people in church to hear the message. When they come to church, it is the bishop's turn, it's the priest's turn to look for an entry point and to call them to a decision. You have your part. And of course, in some cases, it would just mean, even if the entry point might mean, oh, what are you doing this Sunday? Would you come with me to church? You've entered that life. You've made entry. Are we together? You've made entry. That must be the sense of urgency with which we live today. Look for an entry point. It's a key result area. Anybody you meet is brought to you by the Lord. So when you allow them to go away and you haven't really locked in or even found out whether they know Christ or not, an opportunity has been missed. Is everybody hearing the message? Why is that so crucial? Because the people you meet, the bishop will not, may not meet. The preacher, Reverend Katanga, Reverend Yurenda, or Pastor Chirwa, or Evangelist Wali, may not necessarily meet those people. It's you in your area who has a chance to meet those persons. So when you meet them, look for an entry point. It's a key result area. When you've locked in on a conversation, even if it's just a mere invitation, that is why we want to encourage as we finish this series in a few weeks' time, I've said already, we've made some literature ready. Some of you have been picking up that literature. We will make it a point that every Sunday we stock you up. We will also make it a point that these are available in the, um, uh, in the live groups so that you are able to pick them up. Have those with you. This is how we have lived our lives. In our day and time when we just came to know Christ, 
you always had tracts with you. Always needed to share something with somebody. But you see, life has changed so much. And for some of you, this is news. But we want you to know that that is the gospel. That is the kind of life that God is expecting us to have. And if it is then done by everyone here, the result, I must tell you, would be transformation of our society. Because meaning in every area, something is happening for Christ. We increase the volume by increasing the surface area. Surface area meaning wherever you are found, the gospel must go out. I, the church, hearing the message of Jesus. And that means every one of us, whenever we enter, start with needs people have. So, an entry point might even mean, how are you? How are you today? If you say, oh, we're not so fine. Oh, what could be wrong? You're finding out what their need is. That may, have, may be an entry point. Oh, no, we've just had a very hard week. You know, I just, uh, just lost a uh, uh, loved one. Maybe they talk about a loved one. They have on with someone else who's in the hospital. Oh, who are they? Can I, can I have their name? I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray. And if it's a moment that even allows you to pray right there, can, can we pray for them now? You have made entry. When they hear that consent, you have made entry. Beloved, the world is before us. And God wants us to change our nation. And we transform nations one person at a time. You do not know whom you are meeting. Who they will become tomorrow. Or who they are going to meet next after meeting with you. And when you do the right thing, you will participate in preparing them for whatever their next assignment is. And God chooses you to do that. Is that making sense to somebody? Entry points. Everybody say entry points. Identify those entry points for starting an activity or a conversation. So at personal point, a conversation. For those of you who um, are leading and some soon, to lead regions or leading a life group and so on, if there is an activity that is meant to be planned for an area, then look for an entry point. Some of these activities, if something is being done in Tendere, it may not be the same thing that you want to do in Obama. The needs in Obama may be different from Tendere. So find within the area, look for an entry point. Let me use Zone 1 for an example. Zone 1 found a niche. And they've had this long-going, one-before-Jesus uh, campaign and also found a school there with some needs. They locked in into that school and there's a relationship and wonderful things are happening there. You see that as they share. They found a niche. There's an entry. So in that community, that zone has a command. People are coming to Christ. And that is what we ought to do. That's the reason why we have life groups. So that in every single area, there is impact. And community transformation then happens in that sense. Find an entry point for that activity. Is that making sense to somebody here today? Lift up one hand and shout praise the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Secondly, secondly, as we observe, 
from um, verse number seven, the last part, onwards to the first part, onwards the last part of the same verse. He says, don't move around from place to place, from house to house, from home to home. Stay in one place. Now, like we said last time, you even wonder, well, shouldn't they be visiting from house to house? You find the same account, the same instructions given. Here it is given to the 72, but the same instruction was given to the 12 in Luke chapter 9. When Jesus gave that instruction there, here was the context. The context was that in their day and time, there were many options and locations for lodging. And the instruction he's giving is, don't go out there looking, moving from house to, place, to house or place to place looking for lodging. When you find a place where they accept you, he says, stay in that place. My reading of this instruction from the Lord was that you don't do this fly-by-night thing so that you can register 30 activities in three months. Uh -uh. He's talking about results, key results. So stay in one place is about sustained action for maximum impact. What we want, beloved, in the locations where God has placed us is maximum impact. What we want in the company where God has placed you, where you are serving him, is maximum impact. And so consider that when you're thinking about careers. It's not just about changing jobs. Three companies, one every year, and you're thinking you're reaching out for Christ. Uh-uh. What result are you achieving for Christ? And by the way, just to help you, remember, with everything we are learning here, now align your career with God's mission. You can't just jump from place to place. Remember, first of all, you are a Christian who happens to be an accountant or a banker or a lawyer or whatever. And when you're making those career moves, seek God genuinely and ask him for an opening. Lord, where do you want me next? Where do I deploy? And in that sense, your career will truly align and serve God's kingdom. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stay in one place. It's sustained action for maximum impact. That is how transformation is achieved. So, when we identify people and you have an entry point, they may not immediately be ready to make a decision. I'll discuss that as a last point. But you keep going back. So you left the conversation somewhere. Let's go back at the place where you've now prayed with this person because they talked about a, 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 a bereavement they had been through and a loved one who is now sick in the hospital. And remember I gave a scenario where I said, okay, maybe you offer to say, can we pray now? And then that's it for the day. Thank you very much. You exchange numbers and say, you know, I'll be praying for that person. You call them and find out how, how is the patient doing? Or can we link up again? And so on. You Keep at it. And when you do that over time, you will find that you may actually bring that person to Christ. 
but stay in one place was an indication of the fact that the Lord is looking for maximum results, maximum impact, sustained action. And so, beloved, once we are done with uh, this process of sharing the message here, there will be key activities in a number of the ministry areas. We expect that when you choose those activities for the year in relation to how you will be able to apply the theme, stay on those things. Stay on those actions within the community. That is why when we do works of evangelism, we keep going into communities. We go out Saturday upon Saturday. We used to do that in so many areas. There are very few churches that do that now. And we shouldn't be in that category where we don't do sustained actions, for instance, of reaching out and going out. We shouldn't be. There are actions we do out there. We've been doing missions for a while. But when it comes to evangelism, there must be a visible commitment to sustained evangelism in the area where you are. So I ask a question, when did you last witness? That should be our preoccupation. So I'm expecting us, like we have said, to not worry about what you will say because we'll teach you, we'll share with you. The next thing I'll be talking about is the message. But stay in that one place. It's about sustained action. And he goes on to say, eating and drinking what they provide uh, don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. Uh, of course, that talks about the legitimacy, particularly for those working full-time in the ministry of uh, them being supported uh, with the means from um, within um, uh, the congregation or the means of the place where they're staying. That, but that's, 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 the, that's not the focus. He's just trying to let them say, look, when you work there, these can be, uh, this is a way you will be supported. The idea, though, is that to even talk about accepting hospitality and talk about support, Jesus' mind here was on the long haul. So we need to be sure that we are very strategic on what we do and we sustain those actions. Keep going out and keep going out. Keep going out. One of these days, I hope we can try it even on a Sunday like this. I could give out literature to everybody and say, can we go out for 20 minutes and come back? Your life will never be the same again. I can assure you. Never the same again. Never the same again. So do it. Stay in that one place. Sustained action. I want to go on to the third thing in here. From verses 9 to 11, the Lord now focuses on message. So stay on message. Stay on message. In verse 9, towards the end there, it says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Let's pause. How has the kingdom come near? The kingdom has come near because someone who's carrying the message of the kingdom has come into that house. 
That's the proximity there. So prior to the arrival of these disciples, it couldn't be said that the kingdom was near. So it means that the going, the staying, is actually meant to deliver something. He says the kingdom has come near you. That's the message. The same is repeated. But you see, it's repeated in verse 11 with a slight variation. He says, if they reject the message, meaning they don't receive the peace, then you say that even the dust of your town we wipe off from our feet. It's as if, um, they say in Bemba or Kufuita, that kind of thing, as if to just say, okay, stay on your own. Now, you would like to think that it remains at fat, fat level, but it doesn't end there. Jesus returns them to the message. Even after doing that, they've rejected the message. He says, end with this. The kingdom of God is near. So there are people who may not immediately take what you have to give. They may in fact reject the message. You don't go out there speaking brimstone and fire. God will judge you. You know, you have, you've, you have not received the word, God will judge you. You know, you will die. No, 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 you don't do that. Leave that for people in some places out there where they preach doom and gloom. When people talk about praying dangerous prayers and so on. That's, that's not biblical. Yeah, there's some, and they take out of context some of those prayers that were prayed by David and the psalmist and so on. But there's a context that's not normative. Jesus gave us a desire to always wish well for people. So when they, don't reject, when they don't accept the message, he still says, your last message for them must not be, okay, you've rejected, okay, okay, nah, yeah, uh-uh. He says, leave them with a the message. The king is near. Hallelujah. Leave them with a the message. So I'm saying to you, stay on the message. You see, people have many needs. And people have many stories to tell. It is very easy for you to be sidetracked. There are some people you will talk to who will argue and they want to win an argument. You must always keep remembering when people start arguing, you're not there to win an argument. Come back from it and say, okay, all right. You can even postpone certain things and say, okay, the question you've asked, this thing you're talking about, you know, in fact, I need to look at it closely. I would like us to come back to it. But stay on the message. Stay on the message. And if you go on to try and win an argument, no, God exists. No, God doesn't exist. No science says the science says the other. Now you try and argue and argue and argue. You will not win. That's not how we talk to people. Leave them with a sound message. The kingdom. You started with the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom is near. My friend, I'm coming back. I'll be praying for you. But remember, the kingdom is near. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stay on message. Very, very critical thing. People in the media industry will tell you that when you're presenting something, you want to keep on message. So when you're done, people try and remember what was this about. They remember the message. Stay on message. The final thing I'd like to focus on today, which is probably uh, most critical, is key result area number four. Now, in between 
verses 8. And um, 16. You have a number of things happening there. Jesus mentions the people and the kingdoms that um, were wicked. He says in verse 13, What sorrow awaits you, Chorazin and Bethsaida? For if the miracles I did in you had been done in wicked Tyre and Sidon, their people would have repented and, uh, from their sins long ago. And he talks about them. He talks about Capernaum, which was the center of his ministry, and that it would be more tolerable for them than, um, uh, than, than, than for the others. Yes, verse 14, he says, Yes, Tyre and Sidon will be better off on judgment day than you. And uh, you people of Capernaum, will you be honored in heaven? No, you will go down to the places of the dead. And it's a very strong message. What is being emphasized there is that people must at least be made aware that when they make a decision, for instance, to reject Christ, there is a consequence. You don't have to make it so bad that they think that you're condemning them right, then, right there and then. However, that truth must be said, hell is real. And that there, is at only, there are only two places people can go when they die. It's either heaven or hell. And that when they reject Christ, there is hell. When they receive Christ, there is heaven. Stay on message very plainly. And that is why Jesus gives those indications, showing the fact that the judgment is real, that the day will come when judgment will actually happen. It is real. But he still wants them to stay on message. The issue is that the kingdom of God is Hallelujah. But then, in verse number 17, observe with me. Verse 16, then he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. So you need to be able to reach a place where you get somebody to understand that there is no neutrality. They can't say, you know what, I, I, I don't believe, and uh, um, uh, maybe I believe, maybe I don't believe. They can't be in the middle. They either believe or do not believe. Neutrality here is not possible. They have to make a choice. They have to make a choice. When the 72 returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Saturn fall from heaven. This leads me to uh, this fourth item, which I've already announced. The need to secure a decision. Now, what happens is that when you're working for Christ and you're utilizing his power, like I said a few weeks ago, many of you will be surprised at what God will do. Because remember, in Mark 16, it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. When he says there, heal the sick, that's not just for the apostles, that's not just for the evangelists, that's not just for the, for, for the prophets, the teachers, and the pastors. These signs shall follow them that believe. Remember, these were 72. So this is a group bigger than the 12. And it is the 72 reporting that when they used the name of the Lord, demons obeyed them. 
So that is to, to remind you and I, beloved, that you have much more power than you only imagine. Sometimes we over-centralize this thing. We make the pulpit the center. And sometimes for insensitive pastors and insensitive people in the pulpit, that becomes good because it makes you feel central. That is not it. God told us to liberalize the kingdom to the extent where we do the preparation, you do the work of the ministry. He called some. He gave some to be apostles, evangelists, teachers, pastors, prophets, and so on. To prepare God's people. The 72 represented that expansion. And the fact that he chose 72 was to make the point that the laborers were few. He wanted more hands, more people doing the work of the Lord. So, in God's kingdom, beloved, you have been given power. The people he was talking to here, remember, are not just the 12. And because they got focused on the fact that demons were responding to them, he had to correct them quickly and remind them. Yes, there is a result. And um, when spiritual power is at work, when you're casting out demons, there is excitement. It's powerful. Woo! It's powerful. It's wonderful to see those things at work. But remember, Satan is still an adversary. And the, the word used here, Satan, Satan, in the Greek, describes the devil as an adversary, an opposer of that which is godly. It is the same, similar to the indication uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you pick up verse number 7, something similar is mentioned. There, um, the devil, diabolus, is the other word that's used there, but I'm still referring to the same person. Okay, you don't have it there, so let me pick it up quickly. Uh, on my side. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. The Bible says there. Verse number 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Verse number 8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, your adversary, the devil. So here, the idea of adversary as well as Jabalus, the deceiver. The two ideas are combined. He prowls around like a roaring, roaring, let's say it together, roaring lion. Okay, I know it's a tongue twister, and I see a few people here who just failed the test. Uh, like a roaring lion. <laughs> Looking for someone to devour. Verse number nine. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you are. So, power is inside you. Yet you must remember. I didn't hear me. I said power is inside you. I said, power is inside you. 
Because Jesus here said to these disciples, Look, verse 19, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. And that you can actually walk over, all over the power of the enemy. So that you must not consider to be power that's only present here at the altar, waiting for, for, for this demonstration. When people start falling, say, ah, church was great. And that's fine. When God does things at the altar, you have that power wherever you go. So he says to the 72, heal the sick. So I know it's good to call us and we'll pray over the phone. But remember, when you're confronted with sickness in your home, you have power to lay hands on the sick and the sick must recover. When you're confronted with adversity anywhere else, which was what was being talked about last week, you have power over that adversity. Because in the name of Jesus, you have been given that authority. And the Lord is resident inside you. So in this year, I want to hear testimonies from the congregation of what you did in a week. That you went to the hospital and you laid hands on somebody who was sick. And of course, they limit visits these days because of all the COVID issues we've been through and so on. But when you have that opportunity... Let's hear those stories that you laid hands on the sick and the sick are able to recover. You, that power is inside you. I said that power is inside you. That you can command demonic forces and repel them in the name of Jesus. When you're having those sleepless nights, commotion and as a result of bad dreams or you're hearing noises in the house or something is happening. You wake up at 2 a.m. every night and it's like something is happening. You walk around, you're just unsettled. Get up and say in the name of Jesus, whoever you are, because you know witches fly around. Tell them, warn them and say, whoever you are, I am nobody to play around with. I have the power of the Lord. Speak the word. The Lord is over your life. Some of you mothers, maybe you, are, you have children that keep having those very terrible moments and you're wondering and it's as if somebody is, is, uh, is squeezing the, the breath out of that child and it's happening night after night. Take time, lay hands on that child and say in the name of Jesus, whatever this thing is, I'm going to break it in the name of the Lord. That authority is in your hands. It's in your hands. But let's talk about your neighbors. When your neighbors are having that trouble and having to run from Simbazako to someone else. The other day as we were passing near our area, there is um, uh, a lot of these adverts, you know. Let's uh, uh, say, uh, Dr. Something Something from Wansawombwe. Now there are some. <laughs> they have all these witch doctors announced. This one says from um, from Malawi, and when you hear from Malawi, yeah, 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 But when your neighbors are having to run to those kinds of people who don't hold an answer, the neighbors must know that when you show up, you have an answer for them. 
You must go in there and say, I've noticed that there's been so much difficulty here. Can I pray? Let the neighbors look to you because the authority is in your hands. But then, there is a moderator, a modifying thing that the Lord does there because he doesn't want us to get sidetracked. So they were so happy, demons were obeying them. Then he says, don't rejoice because demons obey you, but rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. Why is that important? That is important because Salvation is the ultimate that God's want, that God wants in the lives of people. That's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. Salvation is God's ultimate plan. Give me slide number nine. Salvation is God's ultimate plan. So secure a decision. Even if you start by praying for somebody and demons are cast out, you can't end there. Secure a decision. I want to draw your attention to the next chapter, Luke 11. In Luke 11, if you read at verse 24 and 25, Bible says, and this is the story of um, somebody who was delivered from demoniacs. Verse 24, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So, <laughs> so, it returns and finds its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. So when demons are exercised from somebody, don't just leave it there and say, oh yeah, somebody has been delivered from demons and so on. The house is now empty. Secure a decision. Let them invite Christ into their hearts. Now, for some people, it may not be that they were demon-possessed. By the fact that you've preached the gospel and they are ready to receive Christ, it means that something else was reigning there. So the house is still empty. Ensure that you bring them to a place where they can accept Christ. Secure decision. We want to see conversions this year. That's why I've said to you, don't go after people who are settled in a church somewhere. So come to our church. You know, it's very wonderful there. Uh-uh. Let them be there. Let them carry on. They have a mission. We must go for the lost people. Secure a decision. Salvation is what God is looking for, for every single individual in this life. That's God's ultimate. So, uh, Carmen, Carmen, I think is the one who sang a song. Who is in the house? 
J-E-S-U-S. Who is in the house? So you, you are like a home. Every life is like a home. Those of you who have been born again, Christ is resident in your heart. The people who don't know him have a house that's empty, but probably empty, meaning Christ is not in there, but probably occupied by many vices, things that rule. But worse, if somebody is demon-possessed. Now, when you go near somebody that may be possessed, they will feel it because you're carrying the Lord Jesus. It's not just here where that power is to be felt. That power must be felt when you arrive, wherever you arrive, because you carry with you the presence of God. Let me take you back to verse 3, 4, and 5, because remember, he says in verse 3, 4, and 5, and 6, that when you come and they receive you, then they receive your peace, the blessing will remain there. But when they reject, it says, the blessing will come back to you. So I was reminding us that remember, you are carrying a package. You're carrying a package. So I remember moments with my colleagues in our early Christian life. You get on a minibus, you sit with somebody, Asemuka. And people begin to wonder what's happening. Meaning, demons manifest. And so in those days, normally we talk to the driver and say, no, and so on. And in some cases, you did that. Of course, they were a little angry with you for a while and so on. But these things happen. The presence of God you carry. Serious. And God wants to work through you. It's not always that it's just demons that must manifest. The fact that you enter must bring peace in that place. And people must be ready to make a decision. Beloved, today, I'm concluding this portion of the do-it-yourself. So I must remind you of the four things that comprise of the DIYs which we began with in number three. Pray for lost souls to be saved. And pray for workers for the harvest. Reach out with God's peace. Reach out with God's kindness. Slide number 10, if you can manage. I think we've gone off air for some reason. Keep those things in mind. They're very simple. But at the same time, keep in mind these key result areas. Wherever you go, find an entry point. In a conversation, you're unpacking the package. Then look for sustained action for maximum impact. What is it you can do next to increase on what you did last time? Sustained impact. We are serious about transforming Zambia. I said we are serious about transforming Zambia. Then in the process, stay on message. There are many decoys that come. Someone may want to argue. Someone may want to take you this way, that way. Stay on message. You are a man and a woman on a mission. And your message is simple. The kingdom is near. Hallelujah. The kingdom is near. 
It's near you. Why? Because I have come. Because you are there. Because you have come. But the final thing in that package, do not leave the things that you're doing without securing decision. If you can't get the secure decision on that day, so when, when, when can I come back? When can we meet again? When can we talk again? Life will be exciting for you this year. I said life will be exciting for you. When you live on that path, beloved, every single day you will wake up with a sense of purpose. So you can think of a song, like one songwriter saying many years ago, lead me to some soul today. That becomes your prayer. Or you can sing one day at a time. Or you can sing wherever he sends me, I will go. Or you can sing and say, Lord, I'm available for you. That becomes a daily arrangement. And God will use you. So today, I want to call us all to that place of unpacking your personal package as you get ready to do it yourself. The Lord is with you. Your name is registered in heaven as God's son, God's daughter, God's child. He has sent you like the 72 on a mission. And you must return with a testimony. May God bless you, beloved. And I wish you once again a prosperous, this is week number six, a prosperous 2022 as you engage in the harvest. That last slide I show you, I say this is the way to do it yourself. And this is how to maximize on key result areas. The Lord bless you. Please rise. I will ask the choir to come. When they were leading us, remember the song they sang brought the message of the fact that Jesus is all we need and how he meets our needs. And that is what the world needs. All they need is Jesus. You are carrying that Jesus. So in this session now, First of all, I'd like to call us. I know many of you here, the majority of you here, have been at a place where the passion and the excitement about winning people to Christ was at some point very, 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 very real. And in some way, it seems like, you know, it's been muddled in a few things. I want you to believe the Lord to do it again in your life. Today. Do it again. I said, Lord, do it again. In fact, as we, is Justin coming? Um, okay, you can do it again. You can do it again? No. The last part says, this is, this is his word and his desire. He is faithful. He is faithful to the things that he does. 
what he has commanded into our laps. He will back up with his presence. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want you to focus on unpackaging your own package in a readiness to do it yourself. And get to that place where you will know you're carrying 